At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on the Sabbath. His disciples were hungry, and they began to pluck heads of grain and to eat. When the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, Look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on the Sabbath. He said to them, Have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? How he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which it it was not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests? Or have you not read in the law how on the Sabbath the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? I tell you, something greater than the temple is here. And if you had known what this means... I desire mercy and not sacrifice, and you would not have condemned the guiltless. For the Son of Man is the Lord of the Sabbath. This is a reading from God's Word. Amen. Back family, you can be seated. Thank you, Shay. So, we have been in a great series uh, studying the book of Acts, and if you... Uh, We're going to be going through a lot of great Bible texts today, so if you need a Bible, please raise your hand, and a pastor or one of our leaders will be uh, passing those out. Uh, And so we've been going through a great text in the book of Acts, and if you didn't notice, uh, those verses weren't from Acts. So we're trying to see if you guys come in here and fall asleep, or are you sticking with the series? So, uh, no, but but we're taking a break today. From our Acts series, because this week we have Mac Life, and we'll be discussing uh, a topic that flows from our scriptures today. And so we wanted to prepare you for that topic, so that you could have some of the the God-centered theological Bible understanding. And then come Wednesday, we'll be fleshing out what what it actually looks like practically a little bit. But wanted to start here with. building a conviction for this thing. So would you pray with me as we dive into God's word today? Amen. Amen. Jesus, we thank you. We thank you, Father, for the work you've done in our body through the series of Acts um, and through studying your word. And now as we get to uh, hear from your word today, would you give us all the ear to hear? Would you calm our spirits so we may be able to focus on you? It's during this time we pray, Lord, and ask for your, you to be at work. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So I was, uh, I've been in conversations where I'm kicking it with someone and we're connecting, and then I realize I don't know what they're talking about. <laughs> you've, you, you've been there before, right? Like kind of like, uh, like I'll get with some friends and they'll use a term. Maybe I'm talking with one of my boys, my boy e. Neil, Eric Nielsen, who's a mechanic, and I'm talking with him. And he gets around four other mechanics and they start talking about torque and catalytic converters. And I'm like, what? I'm, I start to realize I'm lost. Or, or I have some, some, some family before I got married. Now, my wife's an amazing cook, so I haven't touched the kitchen probably since I got married. But before that, I would be with my family and I'd be with the, the ladies and we'd be talking. And before I knew it, the ladies were talking about cooking. And they'd say, like, you know, you put a smidge of this in there and a pinch of that. And I'm thinking, what's a, what's a pinch? Is that like a pint plus an inch? Like, do, what, what does that mean? You know, like these terms, they, they didn't have any value. And so as a Christian, I then entered into some realms of brothers that was deep. I mean, deep, and, and, and they started bringing out these words like propitiation. 
eschatology. And I'm like, what? What is going on? You know, I'm, I'm missing it in there. But 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 I began to learn the great value in in God paying paying a uh, satisfying a need for my sin to 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 be atoned for and and understanding that there's a vision of end times. And so uh, there were these terms that if if you don't get the context or the understanding, you just miss it. As we talk today, and as we look through the scriptures, Jesus hits us with this term called Sabbath in verse 8. And it's a term that you can just glee, gloss by and keep on reading if you want to. But, but I think it's actually a really packed and loaded term. And we need to be able to take time to unpack it so that we can see what is the Lord saying through this word that he desires bring him worship. Amen. So if you would turn with me, we're in Matthew and we're in chapter 12. And I'm not going to read all those verses again like Shayla blessed us with because, because I'm, we're actually going to come back and read those in a second. I want you to see the last verse in that, verse 8, if you're with me, Jake. And verse 8 simply says, for the son of man is the Lord of Sabbath. For the son of man is the Lord of of Sabbath. And so in order to understand this word, I got to take you back and give you a journey of this concept, okay? So that journey starts back in the beginning. And what what book do we go to when we need to look at the beginning? Genesis. So if you would turn to Genesis chapter 1 with me. Cuz I got to show you a pattern. I've got to show you like some things the Lord is doing in his word and help you understand this term of Sabbath. So first we get the book of Genesis, Genesis one, where God is creating. And so we see in verse three and God said, let there be light. And there was light. And he saw the light was good. And God separated light from darkness. And God called the light day and the darkness. He called night. And there was evening and there was morning the first day. Now, I want to paint this picture or show you kind of a, something that's going to be consistent in the next verses. That, that, that verse 5 said, God called the light day and the darkness he called night. And there was evening and there was morning. Okay? That's going to happen again. He's going to then create again. And he's going to do, there was day Excuse me, there was evening and there was morning, and then he said the next day. Okay, you see it in verse, uh, excuse me, you see it in verse um, 7. And and God made the expanse and separated the waters that were under the expanse from the waters that were above the expanse. And it was so. And in verse 8, and God called the expanse heaven. Here it comes again. And there was evening and there was morning the second day. Now, I'm not going to read all the verses, but I'm going to just hit you with, again, verse 13. And there was evening and there was morning. Which day? Again, and there was evening and there was morning. Verse 19, the... Okay, we're going to see that happen on the fifth day. On verse 23, we're going to see that happen on the sixth day. Verse 31, you see these kind of bookends to define each day. God creates. And then he says, the day ends... But notice when we come to the last day, chapter two, thus the heavens and the earth were finished 
and all the hosts of them. And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work from, excuse me. And he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. You guys notice something. I've, I've, I've started in Matthew. I said, we're going to focus on this term Sabbath. And I've come to this passage to help you understand Sabbath. But you haven't yet seen the term Sabbath, has you? have you? You see, Sabbath means rest. Just like, just like in, it, it's like two different languages describing the same thing. Uno means one. Sabbath means rest. It's, it's the Hebrew term, Sabbath, Greek term, rest. So you're having the same exact thing. But notice what, what, what rest is happening. God creates, he sits back, he pauses, and he says, now I will rest. And so what does this what does this rest look like? Now, you and I begin to think think of rest and our 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 views is a little it's a little flawed. Right. When you think of rest, you and I think of like things that are can be leisure. Right. It's like, okay, let me enjoy a great TV show. You know, let me just sit back and allow my mind not to have to engage in energy. Maybe, maybe something that can distract me. Maybe some of us think of rest as a, as a location, right? Like if I could just get to a, to a cruise or just get to a, a beautiful place where I can camp. You know, you, you think of rest as a, as, a, as a location or an identity or a place to be. But some of us think of rest as, as being able to check off a list of things we've done in order to finally say it, it's all accomplished, you know? So you want to go through that checklist and get everything knocked out. And that means rest to know you don't have more stuff to do. But family, God's term of rest is not, it's, it's not described in that manner. It's described in the manner that we see happen often in funerals. When you say, and now this person shall be laid to rest. It's that they, they no longer live. They, they cease living. And that's what, that's what the term rest means. God ceased creating. He no longer created. So each day he created, said day in the evening. Then he, then he said, hey, that's the end of that day. And then he would create again. On this day, on the seventh day, he ceased creating. No longer created. And so now he sits back and he looks at all of his creation and he's created an amazing place of paradise, a place where he fully is, where, where now all the birds, all the animals, everything provided for Adam and Eve provided for. And this is what is called paradise to be fully in the presence of God. He's no longer, there's, there's not going to be this evolution that people describe where, where there's going to be some new stuff created later. No, all of creation has now happened and it gets to fully be experienced in God. 
But the beauty family is that 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 was actually where the story was supposed to end. It was supposed to end with God saying, and now I sit back. I look at what I've created, Adam and Eve. I made a great place for (sighs) y'all. There's no need for any more creation. Because at this point, there's no need for a Sabbath. What, what, What would you as a human rest from? Would you rest from paradise? Would you rest from every need being met? Would you rest from being in the full presence of the beauty of a holy God? And so we see God set up this, this beautiful place. We see God allow for his rest to stop creating. And we see his plan is for Adam and Eve to dwell within his paradise. And then something happens. We get this this sin issue that comes about in the chapter three, in the next chapter, that disrupts that initial plan, that disrupts God's God's rest. Excuse me, not disrupts God's rest, disrupts God, man's ability to experience God's rest. You see what God creates. He doesn't he doesn't then tear down paradise. He bans man from it. It says now you have to you you're removed from this place of Eden that I've created because of sin. So then let's fast forward a little bit. Now we have kids in here today, all of our children and children. I'm going to ask you guys a question. You guys can answer. Okay. There's a, a, a sign called a rainbow. Can you guys tell me from your the different Mac kids experiences and. Uh, the different learnings that you guys have been doing. What does the rainbow represent? Ethan or uh, Ethan. Sorry. Um, Gary. Luck. Thank you for answering, man. It, uh, it actually doesn't represent luck, but I'm, I'm thankful that you, you went for it, my brother. And it actually, that's, I think that's what a lot of the world tells us that it represents luck, right? With Joel or Connor, which one of you guys were first? Uh oh, now the brothers. Like, he was first. He was first. <laughs> Joel, can you speak up for me? Yes, God would never destroy the earth again. It was a covenant that was created with Noah. And so now we're going to see. I want you guys to see a, a, a pattern. Okay, so you got great job. Uh, and great job too, Gary, for, for you guys going forward and trying to answer. So now I want you guys to see a pattern. So you have uh, a, a covenant that's established with rainbow signifying that covenant with Noah. We then have another covenant that takes place with uh, Abraham. And that covenant is one of circumcision. Now we have a third covenant take place. And it's a covenant with Moses. And guess what the sign is? Sabbath. Sabbath. So prior to the Mosaic covenant, there's no mandate for you, I, Adam, Abraham, Noah, to pursue Sabbath. It it, it begins with Moses. And, And this is what it says in Exodus 31. 
And the Lord said to Moses, you are to speak to the people of Israel and say, above all, you shall keep my Sabbaths. For this is a sign between me and you throughout your generations that you may know that I, the Lord, do what? Sanctify you. You shall keep the Sabbath because it is holy for you. Everyone who profanes it shall be put to death. Whoever does any work on it, that show shall be cut off from among his people. Six days shall work be done, but the seventh is a Sabbath of solemn rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day shall be put to death. Therefore, the people of Israel shall keep the Sabbath, observing the Sabbath through generations as a covenant forever. It is a what? Sign forever between me and the people of Israel that in six days the Lord made heaven and earth. And on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Family, I think clear here we get a, a God's heart, right? His heart is, hey, you need to be reminded of something. You need to be reminded that I'm in control and that it is me. I'm the one that draws you away. I set you apart. I set you apart for my purposes. I sanctify you. But you know what can hinder us from being reminded that he's in control? Hinder us from being reminded that that he is the one that is in control of our lives. Our busyness. Our busyness. And, And here it is deemed work. Okay. But but some of us could could you can call it a variety of things. You can call it busyness. And that could be uh you seeking to put something in place of resting in the Lord. Call it all, you want to do a lot of studying. You want to do, uh, focus on your kids too much. You want busyness, these distractions. And God is saying, you know what? Because you guys, we are a, a people that are prone to be in control and prone to, to look at the fruit of our labor and say, man, I just did that. I want to do that some more. I just created this. I want to do it some more. I'll just create. And, we, and we, we could begin to work overtime and more overtime and more overtime. And this God is saying, remember me over here? And so what I have to do now is, is, is as a sign that your work doesn't produce anything that I don't allow. As a sign to show you that I am the one in control I'm going, to, I'm going to establish this, this concept called Sabbath. But it's an interesting term in here. It says, he rested and was refreshed. A little, a little uh, weird as, an, as a human trying to think God was refreshed, right? I mean, it's, that doesn't seem like a term you use with God. You, 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 like, but, but I've kind of seen this happen in, in my own home. My wife, she'll, she'll be in the kitchen and... She starts throwing in some, some, uh, some sugar. And then before you know it, she puts in some dough and she's working that thing. And, and then she, you know, slides the cake in the oven. While that's in the oven, she's over here making the icing from, from scratch. You know, break it out the oven, put the icing on top. Now it's got to put that last little strawberry right in the center. Beautiful cake for my son's birthday. And she sits back and she's like, hmm. 
You know, not that, mm, I'm hungry, but that, mm, of, I just, I, I just, I just did that. You know, I'm, I'm satisfied with my creation. You see, this, this is a picture not of refreshing like Michael Jordan, you know, running off the court. <sighs> I just hit the game winning shot. Let me grab a Coke down it. <sighs> refreshing. No, it's not. It's not that picture. It's the picture of being satisfied in what you've just created. And you stand back kind of in awe of yourself. You see, that's that's the image of God here that he stopped and he looked at his creation and it's, and it's like, man, I'm. I'm pleased with what I've done. But I've got to institute this, this concept because my people, my people won't, won't do it naturally because of this sin issue. And so, they, and so this, is a, this is a serious thing because uh, um, the Lord lays it out in the Ten Commandments. So then you jump to Exodus 20 uh, and you see uh, the Ten Commandments there. And the fourth one is remember the Sabbath day. Keep it holy, you know, it's, it's, it's laid out for the people. And there's a brother in numbers 15 who, who they catch just collecting some wood on the Sabbath, bring them back. Everybody talks about it. It's agreed. We got to stone this brother. I mean, I mean the, the punishment for not keeping the Sabbath is death. So God is serious about this command being upheld. And that's the picture we get through the Old Testament. One of God intending there to be a rest. Him stopping creation, sitting back and saying, now creation can dwell within my paradise, within this Eden that I've created. Sin messes up that initial plan. And now the Lord says, in order to remind you that I've sanctified you, I'm going to give you a sign. A sign that you will always remember. Hopefully you'll remember when you want to go work and you can't. Man, this is what the Lord has given me. And, and, it, and it's, it, it's crazy for us to try to imagine it. But, but I've seen it happen in my family a little bit where, you know, I gave my brother a car. And then I needed, I needed a ride. And he got an attitude with me. I'm like, but I gave you a car. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> You know, or, or, or if I actually gave you, if I gave you seven cars and I said, could you just leave one available for me when I come into town? Could you just leave one available for me whenever I want it at a moment's notice? And you're like, why you got to be asking for the car? <laughs> See, it, it sounds crazy, right? But that's, a, that's, that's because we get a warped view that the week is actually ours. We start thinking we have six days and God gets one. No, God has seven days. We're lucky to have seven days and he only asks for one. He's, he's saying, I'm giving you everything. What does it look like for you to build a rhythm into your life of saying, Lord, I want to give time unto you. You see, we're so messed up that he had to come in during this era and mandate it. Does that mandate still stand in this way? Let's see what the New Testament has to say. Now we enter back into our Matthew chapter 12 text. 
At that time, Jesus went through the grain fields on a Sabbath. His disciples were hungry and they began to pluck heads of grain to eat. But when the Pharisees saw it, they said to him, look, your disciples are doing what is not lawful to do on a Sabbath. He said to them, have you not read what David did when he was hungry and those who were with him? He um, how he entered the house of God and ate the bread of the presence, which is not lawful for him to eat, nor for those who were with him, but only for the priests. All right. So 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 now Jesus is saying, OK, Pharisees, uh, l- l- let me help you guys get something. You guys really hold David in high regard. As you should. But you hold this rule of Sabbath in a place where you're trying to catch me up. You're trying to you're trying to uh, use this as a as a rule to be able to show that I'm not God. Okay, let me show you something. If, If you want this to be a rule and you're basing it on consistency, let me show you an imperfection in your rule. Right. The guy, David, that you that you revere highly. On the Sabbath, he not only goes and grabs some food on the Sabbath, which he's not supposed to grab, he grabs the unforbidden fruit. He gets the food from the temple, the showing up bread, the, the, the consecrated bread that's only for the priest. And the irony in it, you guys aren't dogging David. Why? Because you see, you've made an exception. But last time I checked the Ten Commandments, it didn't say keep the rule for everyone, everyone to keep a Sabbath holy except for David. It says everybody. So he said, you guys are trying to catch me with this rule, right? He gives another example. Verse 5. Or have you not read in the law on how the Sabbath, on the Sabbath, the priests in the temple profane the Sabbath and are guiltless? Okay, so now on the Sabbath, you have people bringing forth sacrifices. And they're saying, hey, we, 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 okay, we're bringing these sacrifices forth. But who's going to be the one that does the sacrifice? Who, who actually institute the ritual? The priests. And they working. They working for all y'all because all of y'all are bringing, the, bringing your sacrifices. So they working all day. Do you see it doesn't say in, 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 as, as a fourth commandment, it doesn't say uh, keep the Sabbath holy except for the priest when they do. No, you celebrate the priest performing those rituals. I caught you up again. You're trying to catch me with a rule, but see, your rule has holes in it. But how about I show you this? How about I show you that you're trying to catch me with a rule, but I'm Lord of the Sabbath. I made the rule. I'm Jesus. I have created the rule. I am God. The rule, the rule flows from who I am. And so, and so I, I, I have, I've experienced this a bit in my fam, right? Or, and if you don't have kids yet, or someday you might have kids, you, you, you see how this plays out. You'll, you'll start to create uh, concepts for your kids to grasp. So you say, hey, when you come in this house, I want you to take your shoes off. I want you to clean. I want you to take your shoes off when you walk in the house. Okay. So you start to build this rhythm up and you start teaching the kids. Right. And then inevitably something happens one day. The parent running late, 
You run in the house and you got to grab something with your shoes on. So you walk on the carpet. And what does that kid say? Ooh, mommy, get off the carpet with your shoes on. What are you doing, dad? You see, in in that moment, the child misses it, right? They miss, this is my house. I made everything in here. You, even you eating, breathing, getting some water, anything happens because I allow it up in here. And there's going to be an exception to the rule. You want to know why? Because dad made the rules. You see, God is saying, wait a minute. You're allowing these rules to help you miss who I am. I'm Lord of, of, of the Sabbath. And so now, family, and, and, and this, this image of Jesus uh, giving examples and, and breaking down what the Sabbath is, I've only talked about it here in Matthew. You, we get a picture of it in every gospel. In every gospel, him saying that the Sabbath in the way that the Old Testament describes it no longer stands. And I'm, I'm going to show you here a few, a few verses that help us get that. Romans chapter 14. And I've got to, I got to, um, I got to give you a little preface with Romans chapter 4. Romans chapter 14 is, is uh, a discussion about disputable matters. Disputable matters and disputable matters are are things that we don't agree on, but it's not deep enough to fracture the family. Okay, if it's things you and I we won't agree on, it's not deep enough to fracture the family. So my sister and I, my sister Britt, we'll go out and eat. Right, I'll see I'll see my homie that I haven't seen in a while across the way, and I'm like, Rico, Rick. What up, boy? You know, like, and, and we're in Applebee's, and we yelling. We go grab each other, hug, ah, and we haven't even introduced like the spouses or the siblings yet. We just we're loud. My sister's crazy, embarrassed, sitting down, staring at her steak, grubbing. My sister sees her friend. Hey, now I think something's wrong. Who was that? Our roommate from college. Y'all don't like each other? No, that's my girl. What? No, no embrace. No. And so I, I, I'm, I'm going crazy inside because I wouldn't treat people the way she does. And she would never treat a person the way I do. But guess what? Next Monday, we'll be at Applebee's again. See, it's, it's, it's the way we do life might be a little bit different, but, but we have freedom. It's not enough to fracture the family. It starts with verse one, as for the one who is weak in faith, welcome him, but not to quarrel over what? Opinions, opinions. Then, then they jump in and let us know a disputable matter can be that of food. One person believes he may eat anything while the weak person eats only vegetables. So basically saying, look, what you eat, don't let that fracture family. Don't, don't let that fracture the, 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 the Christ-centered body. Now, let's move to our topic of the day, Sabbath, verse 5. One person esteems one day as better than the other, while another esteems all days alike. Each one should be fully convinced in his own mind. 
hey, you want to do every Saturday is your Sabbath. You want to do Sabbath as every day. Who's right and who's wrong? No one. If that's what you want to do, that's okay. Be convinced in your own mind that that's the way you're going to worship the Lord. If you want to do every day, that's okay. Be convinced in your mind that's the way you're going to worship the Lord. Now there's freedom. But see, sometimes we take Jesus' freedom to mean uh, I can quit. Right? It's like, now I got freedom, I ain't got to do nothing. Show me the letter of the law. It's not a commandment, can't hold me to it. <laughs> and Jesus' Jesus' Jesus's intent was not to say, now because I provide freedom, indulge in nothing. He still wants you to fully indulge in him. But now he's saying, I'm not going to mandate the day that you do it. I want to give you freedom there. Because as verse chapter 6 says, the one who observes the day observes it in honor of the Lord. See, the aim is that you would be worshiping the Lord. Colossians chapter 2 says a little bit more bluntly. Therefore, do not let anyone judge you by what you eat or drink or with regard to a religious festival, a new moon celebration or a Sabbath day. Why? Because these are a shadow of the things that were to come. The reality, however, is found in Christ. It's found in Christ. It's found in Christ. And so now we had a sign that was pointing us to a God that was sanctifying us. But the sign is never intended to be the fulfillment. It's never intended to give you what you, it's, it's only supposed to point you towards something. Jesus is saying, that Sabbath that I mandated, now you can experience fully in me. We're going to start with verse 1 in chapter 4 of Hebrews and then jump to verse 4. It's not left out by accident. It's actually intentional because I know time. I want to be mindful of your time. But I think this this area sums it up really, really clearly as well. Therefore, since the promise of entering his rest still stands, let us be careful that none of you be found to have fallen short of it. Then we jump to verse four. For somewhere he has spoken about the seventh day in these words. On the seventh day, God rested from all his works. And again, in the passage above, he says, they shall never enter my rest. Chapter verse six. Therefore, since it is since it still remains for some to enter that rest, since those who formerly had the good news proclaimed to them did not go in because of their disobedience. God again set a certain day calling it what? Today. Today. Carpe diem seize the day, the new opportunity to experience A reminder of being sanctified by God isn't that you wait till Saturday. It's today in Christ. This he did when a long time later he spoke through David as in the passage already quoted. Today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. For if Joshua had given them rest, God would not have spoken later about another day. There remains then a Sabbath rest. 
for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works just as God did from his. Now see a shift happens. And there's a beautiful play on words here. Don't miss it. You see the works that that is prone to distract us from acknowledging a holy and sanctifying God. It's one of the reasons why the Lord in the Old Testament says, I need to mandate for you guys a certain day. But today, even if there is no mandate, there's another work that's taking place in us that we are trying to accomplish. There's another work that we're trying to achieve. And that work has nothing to do with your job. That work has nothing to do with your kids. That work has nothing to do with you being service oriented. The work that will always plague your mind is what happens at the end. How do I earn my salvation? You see, there's a play on words here that now you've been, your your work is trying to earn the favor of God. And guess what? Jesus says, I've come to give you rest from that work. You see, what I provide you is not simply just a break. I provide you now salvation. I now am rest. Come and experience me. Come experience who I am. And so now uh, we, we, it, 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 it makes us wrestle, right? Because, you know, um, Well, let me finish reading this last verse in verse 11. Let us therefore make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will perish by following the example of disobedience. Let us all pursue salvation. And if you are saved now, this this begins to wrestle with some of the different doctrines we may have heard in our past. Right. Because it, it, it really shows that Jesus is far more far more concerned about you resting in him and being saved than you getting a break from life. Far more concerned about my my salvation in him than he is with me being able to get a break. Now, hear me, we're going to talk about what it means to still have rest uh, from a practical standpoint because it's extremely important Uh, I think Jesus is really clear that that he provides rest and wants his people to have rest. But but sometimes we trump like the things we get to do are kicking it. Like I just want to go journal somewhere over reflecting on the the beauty that I'm saved. And Jesus wants us to have that image. And, And I think when we have that image, it actually affects it affects all that we do. I I remember being uh being young, I was 14. Got my first job. And as a, as a 14-year-old, I, I didn't have any swagger, y'all. I'm telling you. You think I'm skinny now? I was really skinny then. Um, but I got this job. Now, the job told me I would make $4.25 an hour. Right after I finally signed that I'm going to start work. Hadn't even started work yet, y'all. I come out McDonald's. I'm swanging, I'm seeing girls, you know, I, I, I think I'm the man now. I'm planning to do stuff. I haven't even worked yet. I ain't got no check, but I'm planning to kick it, what I'm going to buy. You see, you see me getting this job affected my whole life. 
affected my whole life. I still had on the same stuff, but, but I, I became a different. The Lord is saying, look, the rest I provide. It's, it's important that you pursue rest in some different ways. And we'll be talking about that on Wednesday. But ultimately, I am your rest. I should affect all that you experience. I should affect your entire being because now you experience salvation. Family, we got to ask a question. Because Christ offers the ultimate rest through offering himself because he offers salvation. You got to ask a question, Lord, do I find my rest in you? I know we're going to be tempted to make the first question, Lord, what are the five ways in which I, I pursue rest? That's a question you get to after the first question, which is, is my rest fully in you? Because what you can do is get those questions in the wrong order and still be about busyness. Still be about, still be distracted from experiencing a holy God who wants you to experience rest in him because of who he is, not because of the things you do. So first, Lord, do I find rest in you? And then I I would ask us and ask you, as I'm going to ask my wife this week, I'm excited and scared at the same time to ask the question, how does the Lord's rest affect my life? I ask you to ask someone that loves you dearly. If it's your spouse, great. If it's a close friend, but, but, but you being saved, you finding your rest in Jesus should make a difference in who you are as a person. Dare I say in every aspect of who you are as a person. But we have to end where we started, right? Back at Genesis Chapter two, because that's God's ultimate intention, right? That we would experience his rest, delight in who he is fully and have no need. And so that's what Jesus comes, that we may have this life and have it to the fullest, an abundant life. That that the abundant life is, is experiencing God. It's not stuff. And so that we, as God sat back, satisfied with what he created, that we would, we would enter into this beautiful paradise that he, that he has made. It's an, it's an eternal place that waits for us. But the only way to experience that is through, is through Christ. I pray, family, that, uh, that you, that you um, are wrestled this week because... At times, I I struggle with finding my rest in the Lord. You know, I do. And as I even thought about the reflecting question, I thought, man, like, do I really want to ask that? Because I might realize in all the different ways in which I don't find my rest in you. Or I might have to become even more vulnerable to my spouse, as she points it out. But do we want to keep being duped, you know? Do we want to keep having uh, busyness or any other thing hinder us from the rest that he desires that we delight in fully? 
So not, not as a command, not as a challenge, but more as a plea. Ask this question of yourself and of someone that loves you. Will you pray with me? Lord, uh, you are our rest. And sometimes, Lord, it feels even easier to to have had you um, just give us a mandate. Just tell us what to do and we do it, Lord. But you give us freedom. And you give us joy. So let us reflect upon you, Lord, and the beauty of your of your rest, Lord, as a delight. And God, may you uh, give us uh, wisdom as we wrestle through these questions. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.